Psalms 115, if you're there, say amen. I'm going to read from the New Passion Translation. It says, verse number 12 through 16, The Lord will never forget us in our need. He will bless us indeed. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron, his priest. Yes, he will bless his lovers who bow before him, no matter who they are. God himself will fill you with more. Somebody ought to just underline that in your Bible. God himself will fill you with more. Blessings upon blessings will be heaped upon you and upon your children from the maker of heaven and earth, the very God who made you. For the heavens belong to our God. They are his alone. But he has given us the earth and put us in charge. Today my assignment is this. The Lord will increase you more and more. Somebody shout more and more. I just want to declare that over you. That God is going to increase you more and more. I'm making a prophetic declaration. He's going to increase you more and more. In every area that you need increased, he's going to increase you more and more. In Jesus' name. How many of you are ready to find out how you can live in an arena of life where God increases you more and more? High five three people and tell them it's going to be more and more in your life. Come on, just tell them, would you? Praise the Lord. I'm going to take I'm going to take about the next 25 minutes and share the beginning part of this teaching. We'll get to more of it even next week. So if you'll just help me and take notes quick, we'll move through some of the stuff that I believe is very very important. I think there's a lot of things that I, I, uh, I desire to always preach into the life of our church. There are things that I believe is important for people to live the full benefits of what it means to be a Christian. I, I know that I was a part of churches at certain times in my life where they taught me about going to heaven. They just didn't teach me about living in the earth. And most of my life was consumed with the sweet by and by, and I was trying to figure out how to get through the nasty now and now. And I recognized that Jesus came and gave his life so that we could have life in two dimensions. The sacrifice on the cross made it available for us to have eternal life, eternal life. How many of you know there's no way you can have eternal life with God except through Christ Jesus? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of what Christ did at the cross. You can't save yourself. You can't give yourself eternal life. It has to come through Jesus. You can join church, 14 churches. You can watch Christian television. But unless you receive Christ personally, you don't have eternal life. So Jesus came to bring us eternal life. Somebody say eternal life. 
But he also said in John 10, 10, he said, I've come that you might have life. And then he qualifies it and that more abundantly. He said, because there's a thief that comes that's operative in the world. And his desire is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That means that there's opposition against you living to the level that God desires you to. But he says, I've come that you have life, but not just any kind of life, but you have life that's more abundant. The abundant life, listen to me closely, the abundant life is for the earthly realm. Eternal life is for the eternal realm. The abundant life is for the earthly realm. You won't have to need abundance when you get to heaven. There's no lack in heaven. There's no obstacles in heaven. What makes heaven heaven? Somebody said, well, what makes heaven heaven is Jesus is there. Well, he's here. So is this heaven? Well, what makes heaven heaven is gold streets, mansions. I would dare say that there are, there are things beyond the asphalt in heaven that makes it heaven. What makes it heaven is that in heaven, his will is unopposed. I'm going to try that one more time. What makes heaven heaven is his will is unopposed. There was an opposition to his will one time, and it only lasted for like a microsecond. In fact, Jesus said, I saw when it happened. It was like lightning flashing when he went, nope, uh-uh, shoom, and out of heaven came Lucifer, and he was cast to the earth. Why? Because in the atmosphere of heaven, God's will is unopposed. Every place God's will is unopposed, heaven manifests. Hmm? You're going to have to let me just talk and teach today. It's okay? Because what I want to talk to you about and share with you about is God's intentions for his people. It's what God intended for his people to experience. See, God doesn't intend that his people live a life of worry, anxiety, constantly worn out trying to obtain more. In fact, the Bible even teaches in Psalm 67 that when people align themselves properly with God's intention and God's purpose, when they allow their life to be lived in such a way they don't stand in opposition to God's will, here's what Psalm 67 says. It says, even the earth that's under a curse will yield itself and cause the earth to give you an increase. In other words, the things that have been resisting you will turn and start supplying you. How many of you would like to live in, a, in an arena of life so that rather than things fighting against you, they started supplying you? He said, even the things of the earth. He said, I'll even take the curse that's on the earth and reverse it so that the earth will yield its increase. And God will bless us, even our God. So today, I want to I talk to you, if I can, for a couple of minutes. Just as I, I'm coming as your pastor. I'm coming as a spiritual father to many of you in this room. And I've asked the Holy Spirit to, to download information so that you can be empowered. 
to live out the gospel in every area of your life. Because listen, sometimes if you just receive from friends, how many of you know you can high five a friend and give a hug and go home? But when you recognize today that I'm, I'm talking to you as a, as a spiritual father and as a pastor, I really could describe it this way. I'm coming like a mama bird who knows you have the capacity to fly, but you keep trying to stay in the nest. And I'm coming to stir your nest. I hope you give me permission today to stir your nest. You will not die, but you will fly. The spirit of rhyme is on the church today. It happened in 411 and it's carrying over. The psalmist makes some bold statements here. Listen to what he says. He says, first of all, God will never forget us in our need. Do you know what that means? That means you can never go into such a desperate situation that God's not aware of it. He is mindful of every circumstance of our life. He will not forget us in our need. And it says he will not only not forget us, but in the midst of our need, he chooses to bless. The old songwriter said this. He said, I'd, I'd never know, that I, if I never had a problem, I'd never know that he could solve them. Andre Crouch. And I'd never know what faith in God could do. So in other words, you never see the, the real impact of a blessing until you find yourself in a place of need. So he said, when you're in your need, I'm not forgetful that you're there. And I'm going to do something in the middle of your need that's going to demonstrate my blessings upon your life. He said, here's what I'll do. He said, I will increase you more and more. Somebody shout more and more. Now, now, I want you to get this picture. He said, I'm talking to a group of people who feel like they're in a need. See, I believe this morning if I was to pass the microphone up and down the church pews all over the building, we could take days with people just talking about what they need. Some of them before Friday. Hmm? But he said, here's what's going to happen. In the midst of your need, I'm going to teach you how I'm going to increase you more and more. And then he makes this bold statement. He said, heaven belongs to God. But the earth, he has put us in charge of. Now, don't miss what I'm about to say. Here's what God says. What happens in heaven is up to God. What happens on the earth is up to us. Now, I realize some of you grew up with a teaching much like I did. Well, if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. Anybody ever heard that in church? Well, if the Lord wants you to have that, if that's the will of God, then, then, then he'll, he'll give that to you. But I want to suggest to you today, see, because we match that statement with this statement. Well, Bishop, you know, God's going to have his way. God's going to have his way. 
And I'm here to suggest to you today that God rarely has his way. Because see, if God was having his way, there wouldn't have been an abortion performed in America this week. If God was having his way, there wouldn't have been a divorce certificate signed at the courthouse this week. If God was having his way, there wouldn't have been a hooker on a corner somewhere or, a, or an addict selling drugs to a middle schooler. If God was having his way. See, the truth of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, is that we are being challenged over this theological truth that both heaven and hell have to have a partner in order for their will to be accomplished. Do you realize the devil can't do anything in Oklahoma City until somebody cooperates with him? Somebody has to get an agreement with him in order for his strategies to be carried out. In other words, somebody's, because when you're born, let me just give you an illustration. How many of you know when you're born, you can put two little three-year-olds together in a classroom and it doesn't matter, they can be three different colors and they'll play together. Come on. And if you never gave the influence from an outsider, they'd grow up their whole life playing together. So if racism is coming into our culture, hell has to have somebody teach it. If forgiveness comes into our culture, somebody has to teach it. I was appalled this week that when we had a police officer who's, who unjust, unjustly shot a person without, without considering what happened and received a 10-year penitentiary sentence where justice was carried out. And then when the family gets ready to speak to her before she's taken off to the penitentiary and a young man who's it was his brother that got killed. He stands in the courtroom and says, I just want you to know I forgive you. I forgive you and I don't wish you harm. And looks at the judge and says, may I please give her a hug? To the point that the judge is moved to tears. And the young African-American man hugs this white woman police officer and embraces her and says, I forgive you. And then social media blows up everywhere with white and black leaders talking about how horrible that was. And that that is the residue of slave mentality. And I thought, see, hell's got to have cooperation. Somebody's got to keep that going. Am I doing okay? Because see, God says there's all kinds of needs. And he said, in the middle of them, I'm not going to forget you. And I'm going to increase you. I'm going to bless you. Even in the place you think your biggest need exists, I'm going to bless you. But he said, in order to bless you, I'm going to have to teach you something. And that is that what happens in heaven, I take care of. But what happens in the earth, you're going to have to learn to take care of. In other words, I have set certain laws of my kingdom in place in the earth realm. 
And if you don't know how to operate by those laws, you don't get what heaven has already approved for you to have. Heaven has already voted, yes, you can have it. But if you don't know how to exercise it in the earth realm, it stays in heaven where God controls it, but it never manifests in the earth where it was intended to be released. Because he said, I set certain laws in place. And Jesus came along and even said to a group of Pharisees one day, he said, the children of darkness understand how my laws work even more than my people do. That's why they're ungodly people that gain influence using kingdom principles. Can I give you one? Let me give you one we always use to talk about our spiritual gift. It says your gift will always make room for you. We've always thought that means if I'm a singer and go to church and I sit long enough, they'll find out I'm a singer and it'll make room for me. Well, it can mean that. But really, when the psalmist writes that, your gift will make room for you. He literally was saying, whatever gift you come to somebody with, your gift is what opens their heart to you. So why do you think when people go see Queen Elizabeth, they take a gift? I ain't got no help. Let me tell you something. I didn't get taught this in an American church. I got taught this in Africa. And I was reminded of it here several years ago when some African pastors here in this, in this city who come to me regularly for counsel, they don't come. They first, first time they came to me, they came and asked me for an hour of my time. I, I said, sure. I gave them an hour of my time because my heart's to help pastors. And when they walked into my office, they came in and said, I wanted to bring a gift and they laid a check for a thousand dollars on my desk. I said, you don't need to pay me for my time. They said, we're not paying you for our time. We believe our gift is making room for us. We need a place in your life. And you say, I don't understand that. That's how, that's how businesses, that's why businesses donate large sums of money to charities because it makes room in the people's lives who know what they did to then become buyers of their products. Am I doing okay? They understand kingdom laws even more than the people of God do. So God says, if you don't get my principles, you won't know how to release my stuff in the earth realm. Because see, watch this. How many of you know... Could, could I say this, that needs equal problems? Here's what, here's what God's saying. He's saying there are laws in the earth that when operated set in motion my benefits. They will affect your problems. When cooperated with, watch this, they solve your problems. And when ignored, they create and empower problems. You say, well, all I need is Jesus. Now, let me tell you something. Jesus, the man, is what gets you to heaven. Jesus' principles is what prepares you for the earth. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse number 2 in the Message Bible says this. Wise thinking leads to right living. 
Stupid thinking leads to wrong living. In other words, until you have a mind set on his principles, kingdom principles, you can't live the life you were ordained to live. Come on, somebody. How many of you know that nowhere, am I doing all right? Can I, can I keep going? How many of you know nowhere in the Bible were we ever instructed to go after some of the stuff we crave? In other words, we have been seduced into wrong thinking to believe that if we could get political power, we can make a nation righteous. But how many of you know if everybody in America joins one political party that acts like they're moral, that will never remove the unrighteousness in America? Because morality can never take the place of righteousness. Jesus didn't come to make us moral. He came to make us righteous. Come on. Some of you know people who pay their bills on time. They don't curse. They don't cheat on their wife. They don't run around. They don't get drunk. They're very moral people, but they are full of the devil and they can be mean as snakes. And if you cross them, you better watch out and watch your back. Somebody ought to help me in the building because morality does not equal being a child of God. So God wants us to learn how to think like kingdom people. So how many of you are ready for God to shift some things in your life? How many of you are ready to live in divine favor that comes by being a redeemed son or daughter of God? Let me ask you a question. I want you by hand clap or shout to answer me. How many of you are ready to follow him with all of your heart? That's almost 100%. So then let's get to the matter. Let's get to the heart. God's going to teach us his divine principles for living on a higher level. A higher level than being broke down, stressed out, unable to seize dreams and promises. Because I want to talk to you over the next several weeks about some kingdom things. Y'all ready? I'm going to talk to you about some kingdom things that are most attached to your heart. I'm going to talk to you about money. Look at your neighbor and tell them, level up. How I many of you know everybody in the world wants to continue to level up, keep going to a new level? Oh, you remember, all, all of you have ever had children. Hold your hand up if you ever had a child. Raise your hand if you ever had a child. You remember when that baby would lay in the bassinet? Huh? It couldn't do anything, just lay there. What? You remember you couldn't wait? You couldn't wait for that baby to crawl. Come on. We wanted to hurry up and get to a new level. We'd lay it down on little pads and just try to scoot it. Hmm? Why? Because it's innate in every person to want somebody to level up. We want them to go to the next level. But how many of you know once they started crawling, you wish you could put them back in the bassinet? 
But when they crawl, what's the next thing you want to do? Then you can't wait for them to walk. Then once they start walking, you start talking about kindergarten. And how many of you know then they start talking in kindergarten about being in elementary school? And in elementary school, if you meet a fifth grader, he is in the fifth going on the sixth. You ever meet a 12-year-old? He never says he's 12. Huh? He could have had a birthday two days ago. How old are you, son? I'm 12, but I'm going to be 13. Why? Because something inside of everybody wants to level up to another level. Then all of a sudden when we're in, in high school, what's the next thing? Going to college. How I many of you know when you get in college, you want to level up even in your date. You hope you can date somebody that's not, not crazy. Huh? Because you start dating so you can do what? You hope to get married. Why? Because you, you want to spend your life with somebody. And then once you get married, what do you do? You say, man, you know, this, this apartment we're living in, it's great, but we really want to have our first home. And how many of you know when you moved out of the apartment into your first home, you thought this will do me for the rest of my life? And then two kids came. And you wanted to what? You wanted to level up because you constantly want to be moving up. I want to teach us that there are, there are levels in the kingdom that God wants to keep moving you up so that you keep maturing and you keep knowing how to access what heaven has made available for you. So I want to start at level one today, real quickly. Level one, on the screen behind me, it's Matthew chapter three, verse number six through 10. I want you to read this with me. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed. Do you know what that means? That means God's saying, just like I've treated you with mercy in the New Testament, he was that same God in the Old Testament. He said, if I, if I was random about my ideas, you'd have been consumed already. Therefore, you're not consumed, O son of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances. Ordinances is another way of saying my precepts, my principles. You've not kept them. Return to me and I'll return to you. But you said, in what way shall we return? Watch this. Will a man rob God? Somebody answer that. Yeah, don't, 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 don't hesitate. Yeah. Yeah. Will a man rob God? Yeah. If, 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 four, if channel four and channel five were to just give reports on people that were breaking in robbing God, they wouldn't have a chance to talk about any of the other robberies that went on in Oklahoma City. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, how have we robbed you? He said, in tithes and offerings. I'll talk about this over the next couple of weeks. It's not the same thing. They're not the same thing. You're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. So bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Your vines won't cast its fruit before its season. The nations will rise up and call you blessed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now watch this. Here's what God said. 
I don't change. I don't change in my character, nor do I change in my intention for my people. God's intention from the beginning of time until now is that his people live blessed. I'm going to try that one more time. God's intentions from the beginning of the Bible until today is that his people live blessed. That they be the exception. Hallelujah. Now notice a couple of things I just want to draw your attention to. First of all is this. The tithe was meant for the storehouse. You say, what's a storehouse? Wherever you're nurtured and fed spiritually. That means, watch this, that means while you may be given to the fire department, that's not your tithe. Paying grandma's rent is not your tithe. Giving to the homeless guy on Northwest Expressway is not your tithe. Your tithe goes into the storehouse, the place where you are spiritually covered and spiritually nurtured. It's very important that we understand this. I know some people have been around church a long time, don't even know what the tithe means. Let me tell you what it means. But more than that, I'm going to tell you what it represents. The word tithe literally means a tenth. It means a tenth. It doesn't just mean any tenth. It means the first tenth. But it's about more than money. Let me tell you how we describe the tithe. Please, please hear me. The tithe is what can be described as the law of representation. Say that with me. The law of representation. Say it again. The law of representation. All through the Bible, the law of representation has existed. In the book of Genesis, God puts Adam and Eve in a finished work. They didn't work for the garden. They didn't plant the garden. They didn't grow the garden. God put them in something that was complete. It had the capacity to supply everything they needed. But watch this. In that garden, there was the law of representation. God said, you can have everything in this garden you see. Eat from any tree you want to. But that tree belongs to me. Let me try that again. Eat anything you want. Do anything you want to with everything that's available to you in the garden. But of that tree, that's mine. Don't touch that tree. Hmm? Why? Because God had a place of representation. How many of you know when, when God got ready to re-cleanse re the earth from the sin that came on the earth? He could have wiped out every family on the earth. But God chose to choose one man, Noah. The Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. In other words, he understood how to stand in a right standing before God. And God took one family, put him in an ark, and let him represent all the families of the earth. And by preserving the one family, the law of representation... He preserved the entire human race. Somebody say the law of representation. How many of you know when Joshua went to take the promised land, he came to Jericho, Joshua chapter six. When he got to Jericho, 
God said to, to Joshua, everything in this promised land is going to be yours. Every place the sole of your foot treads, I've given it to you. Only here's the problem. When you get to Jericho, don't touch anything in that city. It's all devoted. That's the word. It's all devoted. Hmm? Are you with me? Why? Because Jericho was the first city. And all first things belong to God. Hmm? He said, you can have all the land. I'm not going to withhold any of the land from you. But I am going to have a law of representation in the land. So that the first belongs to me. The first is mine. You know the story. There was a man named Achan who decided that he would sneak some of the finer garments and a couple of the idols that were worth money. And he hid them and buried them in, his, in the ground. This is, a, this is a strong word, so just stay with me. I'm almost done. He took them and hid them in the ground. The nation of Israel was shouting after Jericho fell. They were so glad the victory had come. But watch this. They then turned around, went up against Ai, a little tiny city. They only sent 3,000 men because they were so convinced they were going to win. 3,000 men got killed that day. And they came back home whining like dogs with their tails between their legs. Joshua fell on his face and said, God, whoa, what happened? You told us that the whole land was ours. You told us no enemy would be able to stand before us all the days of our life. Come on, that's what he told us. You told us that you'd go before us. You told us we'd have the victory. How come I don't have the victory? Why did we get 3,000 men killed? And God said to Joshua, stop whining to me and get up off your face. Because heaven is what I do, earth is what you do. In other words, I held my end of the bargain. You didn't take care of the earthly realm. He said, what do you mean? I didn't take care of the earthly realm. He said, I gave you instructions that everything in Jericho was to be under the devotion. It was to be devoted, devoted to God. He said, what happened? He said, somebody in the camp kept what belongs to me. And when the earth didn't operate in obedience to what I'd commanded, heaven couldn't release what was ordained for the earth. And so, you know, Joshua, like every pastor, said, well, well, Lord, we just pray that you get them. And God said to Joshua, he said, no, you go through the camp and you find them. And Joshua went through the camp and checked every house. Aren't you glad I'm not coming to your house today? But I am making a point. Joshua went through and went through every house. And when he got to Achan, he found that Achan had withheld what belonged to God. And that's the day the song, Your Aching Heart, was written. Because watch this. I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss this. What Achan did affected the entire congregation. There could actually be things that God has ordained for the gate church. 
that if we don't get in unity about how the principles of the kingdom operate, we can be holding other people up. There might be somebody on your road that needs a healing from cancer. said, I want you to act as one. Do you realize that when we come together, we come together as the family of God. We are one body. We are one body. I don't want half of my body obeying and half of my body resisting and the other part of my body being in rebellion. I believe God's raising up a body of believers at the gate church who learn how to be a body who responds as one people. Because it's the law of representation. Even God himself lives by this. When God wanted a family, he had one son. And he said, the way I get my son is I sow my son into the earth. He said, I'm going to let my son come as the law of representation of what heaven wants to do in humanity. That's why when Paul writes about the resurrection, he said that Jesus is the first fruits of many brethren. In other words, God planted Jesus in the earth knowing that he was going to get you. I want to I want to bust up something that's said all over the place. There are people that stand up and say, "Well, God don't give to get." Let me tell you something. That is totally unscriptural, and you have just slapped the face of God when you say God doesn't give to get. He gave Jesus with the express purpose, believing that he could get your soul and your soul and your soul, and that Jesus' righteousness would be enough to bring you out of sin and out of the power of death and up out of a grave. So he was willing to sow heaven's best in order to reap what the earth could not reap on its own. I am a part of the harvest of God's representation. Because see, here's what Romans 5 said. When Paul wrote that, here's what Paul wrote. He said, the whole earth came under a curse through one man's disobedience. You didn't become a sinner the day you went to the bar. You became a sinner the day you entered the human race. You say, how'd that happen? Before you ever learned four-letter words, you were in sin. How did that happen? Through one man's disobedience. When Adam disobeyed, Romans 5, 17, through one man's disobedience, we all were made unrighteous. The law of representation. It worked in a negative way. But guess what? It works in a redemptive way. For he goes on to say this. If through one man's disobedience we all became unrighteous, how much more then through one man's obedience, the only begotten Son of God, how much more shall we all be made righteous? It is the law of representation. And the law of representation functions with first things. 
Come on, guys, just play for me. It functions with first things. How many of you know, watch this, it's, that's, why, that's why Jesus taught the disciples, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. Don't make God the last thing you go to. You got a problem at work? Don't consult five colleagues and then pray. And then pray. Seek first. If God is the Lord of your life, then let him have representation by being on the front end. The psalmist says, honor the Lord with the substance that's in your life and with the first of all of your increase. And when you do, your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will overflow with new wine. Amen? That's why even, even the church, the early church, shifted the worship day from the Sabbath, which is Saturday, which was the last day of the week. See, they used to bring their tithe on the last day of the week to give thanks for what he'd done. But the early church said, no, we're going to get in faith because we now recognize he's not the end of the story. He's the beginning of the story. And the law of representation means I bring him to the beginning first. So they shifted from worshiping on the last day of the week to worshiping on the first day of the week. First Corinthians 16. And on the first day of the week, as they gathered, they brought their collections. Why? They brought their gifts, their, their, their finances. They brought everything that was representing their heart. And watch this. Listen to me. Because here's what they believed. They believed that I just didn't give thanks for what he had done. They believed that if I gave him the first part, everything coming after it would be blessed. Hallelujah. See, I'm telling you, it takes faith to live in that place. But that's heaven's principles. Am I doing okay? I'm going to pick up from here next week, but here's what I want to say to you. Listen, you have to learn. Some people, I'm going to answer the question next week. Is well, I thought, I thought tithing was Old Testament. I thought it was under the law. There's a law of hermeneutics that says there's three things. First of all, you have to find out what was abolished at the cross. You have to find out what shifted at the cross from being natural to being spiritual. And you have to find out what things came through the cross unchanged. Because in, in, in Scripture, they all three happened. There's some things that happened in the Old Testament that ended at the cross. Aren't you glad you didn't have to bring bulls and goats today? But there are some things that came through the cross that were once physical that are now spiritual. We found out that in the Old Testament, you had to have a physical circumcision. But in the New Testament, he said, it's really about your heart. See, they were trying to get at the point where seed flows where life flows. So they say, we know where life flows. Life doesn't flow out of a, a, a physical part of your being. Life flows out of your heart. So God circumcises your heart. That's a spiritual thing. And there are some things that flow 
through the cross unchanged. We're going to talk about it. You want to know why? Because God said to me, he said, I want you to make a declaration all of, all of October that the favor of God is on this house. The favor of God's on this house. More and more. 